When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Boom, we are live with Mike Camito. He's been on the show so many times. He's practically family at this point. Mike, welcome back, buddy. How's everything shaking in your neck of the woods? It's uh, doing great, James. Thanks for having me back. It's great to be back. Hell yeah. Uh, Dylan, this is obviously uh, your first time, I think, on with Mike. So, uh, yes, it is, actually. It's always a fun time. Um, Mike is a Suffering Lee fan, just like we are. So, <laughs> he fits right in with us. Don't worry. Absolutely. Um, but I got to ask my friend, last time we talked, the book was in the works. Yeah. And now the book is here. The book is here, yeah. 65, man. How does it feel to have that one on the shelf? Obviously, I know you have the first period and second period of Hockey 365. Third period probably still coming. Um, but how does it feel? At least 365, it's here, it's tangible, it's in your hands. It, it honestly does feel great. Um, I know that, you know, with those previous two books, I was – you know, especially as a first time author to finally get the book in your hands. And I think no matter how many books you publish, you know, whenever you finally get it out of the box and you can hold it and you can see all of the blood, sweat and tears that went into the book, it always makes it worth it. But to be honest, like when I hold this one, because it's a Leafs book and because it's a hardcover book, which I think is a differentiator from the other two, it just feels even better. So, I mean, I think um, I, you know, in the back of my mind, I always thought maybe, I get to kind of specific uh, direction with these books. It only made sense that I would go with the Leafs for the first one, just because as you mentioned as a long suffering fan, I couldn't give any other team the hockey through 65 treatment first without going uh, through my favorite uh, boys in uh, blue and white. Of course, of course. Now I, I know I haven't been on uh, with you before. So my, I guess my question is, and I don't know if you've obviously talked about this before. Uh, why are you writing about the Leafs? Well, that's, yeah. So, I mean, um, that we had done the first two books and I guess maybe just to back up a little bit for, for, for yourself, Dylan, and for any of the viewers and listeners that don't know the concept behind the series, but it's hockey through 65. So it's 365 short hockey history stories, one for every day of the year. So each, you know, each book kind of tackles whatever happened on October 18th. Uh, so this, maybe this game happened or this player reached a milestone on October 18th back in 1972. So we did two books like that, kind of just taking, you know, all hockey that we could possibly throw into it. Everything in the NHL from the, like the early period up until the most recent times, international hockey, women's hockey, when, when I could find some information to include and then, um, and then from there, we were like the third period obviously makes sense. We know that you kind of have to finish off regulation, but going into, into that, they do take a lot of work to do. And the compromise that I had with the publisher is that, you know, maybe we could do a, a shorter book 
that's like the shorter the stories are a little bit shorter but maybe we just focus on one team and for me that team has to be the Leafs because they're my favorite team and so I pitched them that I'm not ready to do a third period they weren't ready to do a third period either but maybe let's do a Leafs three Leafs 365 and that's kind of what we agreed on uh at uh you know not this time last year but not that much farther back right so I started writing the book last year in the spring of, of 2022 uh, and here we are just over a year later, it's, uh, it's on shelves and it's hopefully, uh, going to be, uh, in stockings and under the tree and in holiday wrapping <laughs> fans in the coming months. Absolutely. No, it definitely will be. It'll be a book that'll be under everybody's tree. I got to ask the questions. You go into a lease book like this, obviously you're well known within the hockey aura. Now everyone knows you. you're talked about on the Merrick show and, you know, 32 thoughts. They bring you up quite frequently now too. Was there anyone you got to speak to for the Leafs book that was directly related with the Leafs? Now, take it. I have not gotten my copy yet. I will be getting my copy. I am a little lazy. Just too much stuff going on. But I will be getting my copy and obviously going through it. But for everyone who hasn't got one yet that will get one, did you get to reach out to people and actually pick people's brains? I know you have for the other ones. But this is Leaf related. So this is kind of hitting close to home for you. Hopefully you got to talk to some actual like players and coaches and staff and bring some stuff to life that maybe you were like, I know this might've happened (laughs) then confirm it. Yeah, no. And I mean, I don't want to spoil it for you or anybody, but because of the format of the books, like as, as much as I, I will try to talk to some people when I can, it's just, it's, it's so time consuming to schedule and line up these interviews for stories that are so short um, so, I mean, I've been able to take interviews that I've done in the past. So there's a story in there that I kind of based off an interview I did with Dave Keon, who's obviously a Leafs legend. I interviewed him for a different story that I'd worked on previously, but, you know, having a conversation with Dave Keon was a, was honestly a career highlight for me. So I pulled some of that, you know, story into, into some of these stories in the Leafs book. Um, uh, but you mentioned the Jeff Merrick show. Jeff Merrick was somebody I did interview for this book. Um, because I remember on his show, uh, you know, I think even going back to Merrick versus Wyshynski, he had talked about like how one of his first jobs was at Park Lawn Cemetery, uh, you know, working at, at the graveyard. And so one of the stories in the book was when Harold, Harold Ballard was buried uh, in 1991. And I remember Merrick saying that that was his first day at the cemetery was Harold Ballard burial day. Oh so I found I found the, the evidence to verify the date happened on that particular day. But I thought getting Merrick's take on what it was like, you know, he didn't bury Ballard's per se there with all of the hullabaloo that was going on. I ended up finding a pretty interesting story that, you know, the Ballard family, he had told the media that it was happening somewhere else. So they all went to this different church, but really the funeral was happening somewhere else. And then they went to Park Lawn and he was buried there. So nobody knew where he, where his final resting place was until afterwards. And so to be able to talk to Jeff and have him confirm that and then kind of talk about, what it was like to start your first day of work, knowing that you're burying this, this man who's such an important part, but also a, a huge curmudgeon in Leafs history uh, was kind of great. So I got to include a little bit of those, but I think just for the sake of expediency, I relied on a lot of like past research I've done past interviews. Love to have interviewed more folks, but I think just trying to do this uh, on top of work and family, uh, I took what I could get. Absolutely. Now, obviously a lot of research goes into this, like, how long was this process for you? And obviously you probably had a bit of, of a time frame from the previous books, but how long was this time frame for you to actually put everything together? So I, I'd say these books usually take like a good year 
to put together. And I mean, that includes, um, I'm basically researching and writing nonstop for, you know, anywhere between seven to eight months to get that first draft together. I'm pretty much writing every day. I found that having done this now three times and I'm currently doing a fourth time, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, I know how much time I need. And so the longer runway I have, the less stressful the experience is, and I can really kind of enjoy it. So I have a schedule of like, I know that, you know, for the next, uh, I guess like seven months, I have to write this many stories a day. If I want to get all 365 done in time for the first draft. And then after the first draft goes in, you know, I've got a, a month or so to kind of just relax and chill out. And then we start the, which is always the scariest time because that's when you share your work with somebody else for the first time. And you kind of find out like, did any of this, these stories make sense? Like, how do these read? I was writing them, you know, feverishly to try to get them out there and, doing my best but ultimately until you release it into the world you don't really know how they're received so then you go through that process the proofreading process the layout all of that stuff so like it's always kind of in the background even after you've done the writing up until from basically you know march until june when we locked in the book and that was basically when i was done with my official duties with leaps through 65 but then after that you're just waiting to get the book hoping that you don't like you go back through an old draft and find something that you made a mistake on so it's a, it's a labor of love, but I would say the first eight months or so are really when the book comes together, but I'm, you're still working on it for months and months after that until it, until it finally hits uh, uh, bookshelves. All right. I've asked you this question about the other two iterations of your hockey 365s. So I'm going to ask you on this one. Obviously there's a lot of leaf stories, a lot of different ones. And I know, like you said, time consuming family commitments. Is there anything that you've stopped over the past maybe couple of months now that everything's put away and it's on the shelf and ready to go that you said, man, you know what? That's one that if I do a second one of these leaf books that I'll have to put in. Cause I remember for the first book, you were like, there is a lot of things that I was like, Oh, I should have put that in. Then the second one, you said, you know what? At least I know now there's a third one coming where I can gather those ones too. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think it's kind of more like having, you know, you kind of get tunnel vision when you're doing it and you're, you're just kind of chipping away and trying to get as many stories as you can. And what I've, what I'm finding, I think for sure is that there's a lot of players that I had inadvertent blind spots for, not because they didn't do anything significant in Leafs history, but maybe there was something else that happened that day that trumped them. So like, I think back and, you know, like I'd love to go back and do a second volume of Leafs, of Leafs 365 and I think try to like now knowing that I've spent, you know, a lot of time on players from my era that I grew up watching, like Wendell Clark, Doug Gilmore. I think even, you know, in the era before my Leafs fandom, uh, Salming, um, Sittler, yeah. Mahovlich, like these guys loomed large just from, you know, my mom was a big Leafs fan. So the big M Frank Mahovlich was her favorite player. Obviously, when you're focusing on championships, we know that we can only kind of deal with what we have <laughs> up until 67. So like you, ha you have to kind of like cater to those stories. So yeah. I just know that if when I have the opportunity, hopefully to, to explore this again, uh, it's just to kind of go into it, maybe not necessarily focused on trying to find um, the dates off the hop, but like saying, these are the players that I would like to really focus on more. And how do I find dates that maybe fit in more Nazem Kadri stories or like, I need more Brian McCabe stories. How can I kind of go about doing that? Um, and I think, you know, there are a, those, a lot of those players are highlighted in different ways, but I think you, you, you write all these stories, you amass this collection. And then afterwards you're like, huh, you know, maybe I'm missing this one piece that I would have loved to include it, but 
for whatever reason that day, something else kind of uh, superseded that event. And, and uh, I'm still happy with what I've put together here, obviously, but I just know that to your point, there's always something where you're like, ah, that's right. That did happen on that day. It's all good. You can't, you can't include everything. Otherwise it would be a, a massive tome, but uh, I think, with these types of books, there's always possibilities to, to do more and do other volumes. Now to dovetail off that, has there been anyone so far from the Maple Leafs book, player-wise, media-wise, that has reached out? I know a lot of people that do writing sometimes get it either a happy call or a not-so-happy <laughs> call because of a story that was put out. So for you, has there been any feedback from anyone that's involved inside the book of stories that you told or not as of yet? No, not as of yet. I mean, and uh, and I'll touch. <laughs> I mean, we got this. The computer's on a wooden table, so I'll touch wood. But I, I think I've been I've done a decent enough job over my uh, hockey writing career that I've never had the angry phone call yet. Not to say that it can't happen. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, just given the, a lot of these stories and the fact that uh, you know this is still my favorite team, that being in a lot of these stories and in my assessment of them. Um, but but again, you you kind of know you know what stories might some people might not like i you know so i mean i i know that i think in in past years we've you know one of the key things that i've uh that i've kind of highlighted on twitter when i do these on this day moments was uh was the infamous you know trading tuka rask for andrew raycroft and uh not to say that i know andrew raycroft by any means but i i do know that this past year he unfollowed me pretty much right along the time of that anniversary and and i did reach out to him because while I don't ever at mention him in those posts, I know that people that pick up on them, they do at mention him. And yeah. I, I said to him, I said, listen, I know that it's a part of Leafs history. And I know that for you on this particular day, like it can't be fun to have people, you know, at mention you and say all these horrible things about you and your family. Um, so I think that's kind of where you can kind of see some of stories like that. So, I mean, that's probably the closest I've been to getting any phone call. He didn't, he didn't say anything to me, obviously, but I just felt as, you know, as a historian, you want to tell the, facts and you want to show show the complete story but ultimately end of the day as we know these hockey players are humans they have feelings and sometimes it's not as much fun for them to relive these moments as it is for us well the thing too is where you're kind of off the hook on things is you're really just relaying the information of a story that's already happened it's not like mm -hmm. you're breaking it for the first time and allowing everyone to pile on you're mm -hmm. simply just saying hey on this day this is what happened it's yeah. not, yeah, I didn't create this. Unfortunately, this is just what happened. It kind of gets you off the hook, but I could see how some guys would be maybe annoyed by it because obviously on that day, no matter what, even if you didn't make that post, yeah. someone else would make that post. Oh yeah. Anniversary day, no matter what. So I like the fact that you do that stuff. And there's been a few of them over the years. There's been a biz nasty one. Yeah. Um, I remember that one. He wasn't nasty about it or anything, but he, he's like, Oh, you had to bring that up. You can see it's like <laughs> sweet, right? Yeah. You know, there's a few of those, but some people just take it in jest and understand, you know, where you're coming from, what it is, and it's been fun, man. Because a lot of these guys now are in the spotlight for media or different things. And you know, you can look back on it and have a laugh. At least you should have a laugh. I mean, unless you're getting bombarded, I guess, like Andrew Rickroft, which he shouldn't be. I mean, he came <laughs> yeah, here, he played. I mean, if you're doing that to a professional athlete, I mean, you, you got to get a hobby or something. Spend your time a little more wisely. Yeah, exactly. That, and that's kind of where I just, I, I again, I, I would still, every year, I still will report on that tweet just because it is such an important moment in, in franchise history. Looking back, when you look at all of the trades that have happened, like I wouldn't be doing my duty as a historian if I didn't share that, just because sure. I know that maybe it's not, Make, doesn't make everybody feel 
all warm, warm and fuzzy. fuzzy. But uh, but otherwise, um, I, I, I get his perspective, and I do I do keep that in mind. But still, uh, I have I have a job to do, so to speak, and uh, I'll continue to do that. I'm uh, I'm gonna take a little twist on this next question that James has. Now, well, hold course, on, don't jump in the Habs 365 oh, yet. No, I was gonna ask a little twist of it. I was like, of course, I in my personality, I wouldn't want to write about the Habs, but do you think that there will be a series of other teams heading into like? Obviously, is your plan to have a series of books and teams going forward, or what is your overall plan with the books that's 31 more books yeah that's a, that's a lot of, that's a lot well, of writing well i mean he can't really r- write about seattle and vegas too much but man there's yeah. been other iterations of those teams and that's true things they've been involved in i mean you can definitely find some stuff yeah but i i think um you know from the publisher's perspective it is it's very early because the book just came out but i think the idea is that a team packaged book you have that fan base that you can obviously market that book to. So in many ways, it's there is a larger market, especially with the with the lo- obviously the popular longstanding original six teams, so to speak. Yeah, even just yeah. the original six teams. Yeah. So like knowing that like Hockey 365 appeals to everybody, but it doesn't appeal to Canadians fans or Leafs fans or Bruins fans. It's like I mean, there's some of those stories in there, but it's not for those fan bases. So. I think where what the true test of this like uh, this experiment will be how Leafs how Leafs 365 does and then how the Habs book does next year and I think again that's the two biggest hockey markets we could go after first. Of course, if those do well, then I think it does kind of open the door to an original six uh, continuation. Whether that's just all of the original six teams focused or again, there's enough between the remaining four teams that like it would be a natural progression to maybe do Bruins through 65. Again, I have not had those conversations with the publisher yet. I think it all hinges on how, how this book is received and how the next book is received. But I am already thinking about that okay. for sure. Um, so we'll, we'll see. So tentatively, yes, that is the plan. Um, but, but I don't think I'm speaking out of turn by saying I, we haven't even just yet. Yeah. Well, wait and see approach for sure. But at least the uh, the good thing is he talked about Seattle a second ago and it really got me thinking. I mean, if you did happen to write a book for every team and you did one maybe a year, that would give you, what, 32 years of history for Seattle <laughs> at that point? But yeah. A, a very solid base. That's right. You just have to schedule it properly, right? Vegas, yeah, Seattle at the end of that three decades of writing and then, <laughs> and, uh, and then you're good to go. And then who, how many more teams will be there by that point? We'll see. So. Well, and then you just keep spacing it out. I mean, mm-hmm. it worked perfectly. But yeah. no, I, I mean, the Habs 365 book, obviously being Leaf fans, it still is fun to deep dive into the history and find cool stories and all of that stuff. Um, you made the Maple Leaf copy a hard copy, like a hardcover book, a beautiful book. <laughs> what would you do for Habs fans? I mean, would it be packaged yeah. with a box of tissues? I was going to say, would it be with toilet paper so that it can match their their logo? Well, or You, you got to subscribe, like a, a subscription to the History Channel in the back or something, just so they can constantly relive their glory days. That's what <laughs> Habs fans seem to do. But no, in all seriousness, it would be fun to dive into those things. And I mean, you talk about Original Six. I mean, where you've started with two Canadian teams, you can even do, you know, the okay. Canadian tours so to speak and yeah. see how all the canadian cities do really because i know everybody eats you up with a spoon here in canada we love you know hockey 365 
Leafs 365 will do good in this market and for other markets as well. I think people will pick it up just to learn more. And, you know, there are some stories in there where they will use as ammunition to, against mm-hmm. Leaf fans to say, hey, remember when this happened? How do you feel about this day in Leafs history? Because oh, yeah. that will come. And I, I've got a few of those before. And it's like, mm, all right, I see what you're doing. But yeah, yeah, you have so much of a window now where this has worked with the first two periods. Not to mention the fact you still need to finish that. There's that, that book there yeah. too. So we're talking already, what, 35 books at that point. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have, a, you have a full-time schedule now as a writer. You might as well just stop doing everything else. No, I know. I mean, that's uh, that when you're laying out that 32 book uh, timetable <laughs> for me, I'm thinking, I, I don't know if I can keep the full-time job and, and write all those books, but we'll we'll see where it gets. I think the thing I would say about, about Habs 365 is that that obviously I think we can poke fun out on the show uh, against, you know, towards Habs fans and vice versa. But I think what I realized going into that was that like, nobody is going to want to read a Habs book that's written overtly by a Leafs fan. So I've deliberately checked like my baggage and my perspective at the door, because I think if you're a Habs fan, you're not going to want to hear this Leaf perspective throughout the entire book, you know, kind of, criticizing these moments and, and hamming it up on on, the, on some of these things that are admittedly, you know, low points in franchise history. So I've tried to kind of be a neutral uh, party when I'm, when I've been doing this book. Um, and I think that's helped because it allows me to kind of take a step back search, really kind of try to appreciate the franchise for what it is. It has given me, I will say this uh, a better, uh, you know, appreciation and respect for the franchise I'm not going to go as far as saying that I would ever root for the Habs, but uh, but I think it's been more enjoyable than I thought it would be because a lot of people have said, like, how could you write a Habs book? But, I mean, I think as somebody who appreciates the history of the sport and appreciates the history of a lot of those great players, you know, who have come through that franchise, um, it, it has been nice because I've also learned a ton. Not to say that I didn't learn a ton in Leafs 365, but by going into a franchise that I didn't grow up watching or, or appreciating or cheering for, or there are a lot of things that I'm now kind of like, oh yeah, like that's I I've heard that name before, but now I can kind of dig a little bit further into what that player did for that team, and so that that has been great. But but certainly, um, I'm I did not as I, I'm almost done the first draft of that book, but but it's uh, the joy I felt writing Leafs Leafs 365 is is unparalleled to Habs 365. I I think the the overall approach to the book is, is better in your sense because you're not that Leafs fan writing an opinion about the Habs team. Mm -hmm. You are just getting all the facts set straight and writing about the book. I I think that's actually a really cool concept about the book. Um, A random question that popped into my head, um, obviously from your previous two books, Outside of Canada and the U.S., do you know where your book has like sold the most? So you, you kind of like where the book oh, has sold? Sold the most, yeah. Sorry, uh, that's a great question. I actually don't have uh, much stats. of the sa- the sales data. Like, I get a you know my royalty statement yeah, that yeah. tells me you know how much I'm getting back. Um, <laughs> Five million dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> I mean if, if I was getting back that much, then I would be doing this this these yeah, books yeah. full time for sure. But uh, no, I don't get sales breakdown. I'm sure I'm sure the publisher would have that info. But yeah, I would be curious to see like. How like far has Sweden has, or something like that? Yeah, like where hockey is popular. That that was just something that randomly yeah. popped in my head. No, it's a great that. question. I yeah, I just I wish I I wish I knew more and had more insights into that. 
No See, problem. now you can play that with the publisher and say, hey, listen, if we have some hotspots, I got to do a book tour here. I got to go. <laughs> yeah. We, we got to get a bus going. We got to get things rolling here. I, I really got to get out there with those books. And I mean, at least 365, I mean, geez, man. Can only see it man just touring around the city and stuff like that just going to all the different indigos and chapters and coals mm-hmm. and man fans would line up um, <laughs> if they lined up for steve dangle in his They'll book they would you. line up further for oh, you yeah. my friend because obviously it's all historical dates and things like that which is wicked uh but speaking of historical dates and all that fun stuff uh our friends over at the hockey podcast network they've got a historic agreement with DraftKings. you see down at the bottom and the NFL season is going strong, and drafting sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks and get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code THPN. New customers can score two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for your problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill. Casino and Resort, Licensee Partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, LA, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football, terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources, so check out our friends over at THPN and DraftKings, use that code THPN and get in on the action, speaking of the action, Mike, there was a lot of it on the ice. Now, we are Leaf fans, so we'll shift from Leafs 365 to the Leafs in the playoffs in 22-23. Um, how did it feel? Getting to the second round, we know what happened, but we got over the hurdle. And it was a young guy in Matthew Nyes feeding the puck to John Tavares to send the Leafs to the second round. What was your instant reaction in that moment? So at that moment, um, I was the only one awake in my house. My wife and two daughters were in bed. So I had like um, the muted, the muted claps in the basement and like the muted like cries. Um, and then my, one of my buddies who lives just down the street from me, like literally at the bottom of the hill, he's a big Leafs fan. And um, he ran he's up. like, do you want to go have like, have a beer in the road, like to like celebrate this win. And it was yeah. like, it was like whatever it was like 10 o'clock. I had to go to, I think I was going to Montreal the next day. Uh, I was, yeah, I was going to Montreal the next day. So I knew I had to catch an early flight and I was about to say no. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like the Leafs won. I could, could sleep the next night. Like the Leafs just finally got out of the first round for the first <laughs> time, like in, in almost 20 years. So like, let's go outside on the road. And we just got on the road and we, and we hugged like under the street light because it was like, this was like 20 years of like pent up, like anxiety yeah. and like depression just kind of gone. And so uh, it was raining that night. So we ended up just going inside, having the beer inside the house. We ended up watching the Oilers game. It was on right after, but it was like, it was this like relief where again, even with your buddies that like, like you don't hug regularly when you hug your buddy, because like it's, it, it finally it's happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. 
I no. I basically jumped into my buddy's arms. So it's, it's, yeah. it's the same thing. Yeah. And I was on TikTok Live, so it was it was all another thing, and everybody heard me scream. So it was it was quite funny. No, it was it was absolutely magical to finally get to that second round, and we all know now that apparently Austin Matthews was playing with half a wrist all of last year. Um, so obviously we'll see what beast mode Matthews can do this year with the team that they have around them. Um, I want to know, we signed a guy named Max Domi with that nameplate on the back of his Jersey, obviously comes a lot of expectations and hoopla because of his dad who played here. Um, we got to see so far a few, three games so far of Domi. Um, you could tell a little bit of the pressure is there. Obviously gripping the strict a little tight wants to make things happen. Um, what is your assessment of getting a guy like Max Domi and just the nameplate impact on this team and this town? Yeah, I mean, that was one of those signings where I, I was I was pretty happy with all of the the changes they made in the summer, but I think getting getting dome getting a Domi back in a leaf sweater was obviously great. Um, you know, I think given his family pedigree. Uh, I think, you know, there are some expectations there, but I'm hoping that there's also going to be a little bit of patience, you know, as he kind of acclimates to this new group. Uh, you know, I, I missed the game against Minnesota on the weekend because I was doing, uh, I had a, I had a party for the book launch. So we were at a distillery in town having some nice drinks. Um, so I didn't see any of the game, but I know that that was the game where I think that's when he kind of lost his spot, you know, him and Yarn Croak switched going into the third period. And now yeah. he's, He's on the third line, but I think it's, um, you know, whether or not he stays out of that top six, I, I feel like it's it's hard because it's, you're again, we're only three games in. It's a, a small sample size, um, but I think it's just, you know, Leaf fans, we we expect a lot and we, we want to see everything kind of click at once and start to go on this tear. And I mean, I think we've been spoiled already with Matthews having those back-to-back -back hat tricks and obviously the wrist is looking pretty good, but I'm just kind of hoping that with Domi, you know, he's given that chance to click and that, you know, him kind of getting uh, relegated down to the bottom six is is maybe just part of the process he's going to have to go through in order to reclaim that spot in the top six. Or maybe he still finds that spot that, you know, he still contribute very valuably on that third line. And again, again, if you can have that lethal scoring throughout your top six down to your bottom six, like that's what the team is going to need come playoff time. So if he can find his role in that bottom six as well, and provide that depth scoring, then that's also not a bad thing. But again, I just worry with the lofty expectations with a name like Domi that uh, that we just kind of give these guys, you know, even with it's if it's Bertuzzi, just some time to kind of gel with this new roster again. As much as the preseason, you know, kind of gives some of these guys the opportunity to get together, it is still just preseason until you're in, you know, battle mode in the regular season. Um, it's going to take some time. So I'm willing to kind of give him a longer leash. Um, but I think that's kind of one of the things where if you're looking at, you know, some of the stuff that you've seen so far, uh, you, you kind of keep an eye on the new guys just to, you know, cause obviously that's where the spotlight is shining right now. So you mean you're not like the rest of Leafs nation <laughs> and are expecting him to be traded. Okay. Got it. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll give it. I'll, I'll give him another game. Let's oh, okay. okay. Oh, there you go. Four games, four games yeah. to get the boot. I always say, you know, wait 10 games, see where everybody's at, see where things start to shake and fall to. It's not bad to have a third line, and we all know this is going to happen. It's probably going to be Domi, Holmberg, and Yarncroke. We know Frazier Minton isn't long for this team for the full season. Mm. Not saying he looks horrible or out of place like every second, but you can tell that he needs a little bit more size and just to go and destroy worlds down in the WHL. But Domi on that third line, you're right. Depth scoring would be huge. 
because you'd have a guy like that there. And I do believe that Matthew Nye should be on that second line. The way that he strips pucks and battles hard and is just like a the prototypical power forward we haven't had for a long while, he deserves to be up there with Nylander and Tavares. And I think you'll see it pay off tomorrow night starting with Florida. But uh, with Domi, yeah, the nameplate value is hard to escape because everybody expects you to be like your old man. Because mm-hmm. first thing people do who didn't see Domi play for other teams is go and look at, okay, what does his dad do? Okay, so he's yeah. going to fight. This guy's going to be a scrapper. No, he's not. He's actually pretty skilled and can pass pretty well. He hung real good with Nylander in the preseason. But so many mm-hmm. people just don't see that. They see the name Domi and expect fisticuffs and, you know, just brutality. But he does have a pretty good chirp game, and I've heard that from around the NHL. So I'll take that any day of the week because at least has been pretty quiet in that regard. No, no it's, uh, it's, it's, it's funny because I – that that chirp game is again. I don't want to go back to Habs 365, but like there's a story in that book, and I'll tie it back to the Leafs where it's the game where Kapanen, uh, the Habs are on the power play, and uh, Kapanen, uh, Petrie, I think, shoots the puck, it hits Kapanen's stick, it, his stick shatters, he throws one of the pieces at Petrie, and then uh, they they give Petrie a, a penalty shot. Petrie goes in. He scored a penalty shot, you know, gives the gives the Habs the go ahead or at least a tying goal. I think it was a tying goal. But then the camera pans to the bench and you just see Domi like leaning over the bench like, "Ah, boy, Kapanen, you fucking idiot. And that just for <laughs> me is like, I know that that's not the important part of the story, but I just like that moment is immortalized. Just like you could read his lips so clearly. That's what he's saying. So I put that in the book. I didn't use the F word because it's still trying to market to the younger group. But anyway, I appreciate his chirp game. Um, so I. I I know that he has that, but I know that he also has, you know, some dynamic offensive skill as well. Um, so he's not exactly a chip off the old block. I think he brings a lot more uh, to the game as well. And I'm just, yeah, like I said, willing to kind of see, see him kind of get acclimated and where he, where he can take it. What, oh, yeah. uh, it takes what a while your, for teams to click. What are your thoughts hmm. on Revo so far? I, of course, you, you love the, you love the chirp game, but uh, <laughs> I think he just brings another factor to the game altogether, in my opinion. Yeah, I was I, again. I I was a huge fan of the signing. The, the term is is obviously one thing, but I just you know I've always been a fan of what Ryan Reeves brings to any team he's on. Um, I've had the chance to interview him in the past, and he is he is a character and he is a human quote machine. Um, I also do like the idea of hopefully him bringing you know I think some some of that culture of accountability to the team that maybe has been lacking in in previous years. Not to say that they don't have a strong leadership group, but I think bringing that voice and the way that he kind of commands a presence on the ice to the locker room, I think is a good thing. Um, I, I do love that after every game it's they're congregating around his stall and what he has to say next, because it's only going to make the rematch against that team even more interesting because again, you saw in the game against the Blackhawks, there's a lot of chirping going on between him and Corey Perry. I, I don't think, I think Corey Perry is also smart enough to know that he's not going to win a fight yeah. against Ryan Reeves, cool. but when they play again, <laughs> at some point like it'll be interesting to see what happens because uh it's just it's yeah and i think it's i was talking to uh you know some guys earlier about this and it's like we've had that sandpaper list of cuffs element on the team before with guys like like wayne simmons and kyle clifford but i think it's just revo embraces that and he embraces the spotlight you he's always had that flair to his game I, i think about that time in st louis where you know he fought somebody on dallas and he's blowing them a kiss as he goes to the box i mean like he likes that attention and he, I think he feeds off of that. So I think, you know, there's definitely questions about 
you know, what his effectiveness will be outside of the, those intangibles he brings. But I think as long as, you know, he's not getting his head caved in when he's on the ice, then I think he still has a valuable role to play uh, when it comes to building that, uh, that culture on the team, but also still can finding ways to contribute in the time that he is on the ice. Yeah. He's, he, he's a fighter, but he's also the glue in the locker room, which mm-hmm. means so much to this, this locker room in general. There's two points for me with Ryan Reeves and I look at it. It's the energy he brings and the ability to deflect. So with the media, everybody's going to see him after the Chicago game before it was going right after Marner, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander. Why'd the game? Why'd you guys lose this, that mm-hmm. everybody's now going to Revo every single day. It's always something it was Jack eye in the Montreal game. It was, um, I forget who we fought in the Minnesota game. Uh, Hartman. Uh, Marcus Foligno. Foligno. Oh, yeah. Foligno, yeah, sorry. And then, again, it was Perry. You know, every game, there's something to talk to him about, which takes pressure off of the stars, which is great. The other thing, though, like you said, Mike, the accountability maybe is there in the locker room, but on the ice, guys weren't really sticking up for one another. You've seen it so far in three games. If there's a scrum, guys are jumping in, whether it's the new guys, whether it's Matthews, in the, in the Minnesota game, jumping in there and getting in the scrums. So those things matter with Ryan Reeves because they know that if someone takes a liberty or a shot, he's coming out next shift when that guy's out there. He's checked the number and he's going to make their life a living hell on the ice. He will do that. And that makes a lot of the other guys feel better. And I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. You cannot tell me at the end of June when Brad Living went to see Austin Matthews that he did not say, Find me someone to keep the flies off of this year. Find us someone to do that job. And Ryan Reeves was right there for the taking. And he brings just so much for that room, but also so much on that ice. And Mm -hmm. I believe that Austin Matthews asked for a guy like Ryan Reeves. Now, the next thing for us is goaltending. Now, at least Nation right now is on fire. <laughs> goaltending is the worst it's ever been in, uh, since the before the Dubas era. This is the worst we've ever gotten off. Badcock was the coach the last time we had this many goals. Guys, it's October. Mm-hmm. The league is kooky dukes to start out. Okay. Vancouver's piling up goals. All kinds <laughs> of different teams are doing really well to start. High Buffalo every single year, winning five to ten games in a row, and then just woo. See you later for the rest of it. So just allow the season to start out but so far for me i like what joe wool brought the other night it was three goals in alone obviously he's got to work on his little glove side low for two goals but he will figure himself out and samsonov will too to me right now sammy looks a little rigid a little stiff maybe something's mm-hmm. not 100 percent. but uh what do you think of the least goaltending tandem and we'll even throw jones in there too yeah, well, I mean, I think in that Chicago game the other night, like he was probably one of the few bright spots in that game. And again, those goals, as you mentioned, like that you just didn't have the support of the team in front of him. So again, I don't necessarily fault him for everything that happened in that game. And I think what we saw from him up until those goals went in, I think was 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 positive, and it was, it was great to see that. Um, yeah, I th- I think you, I think tempering expectations right now is is critical. Um, we're only three games in. So again, I'm, I'm willing to give, you know, Samsonov the time to kind of get back and reclaim that net. But I think there's nothing wrong with, you know, the two of them kind of jockeying for, for position. Again, if it means Wolves getting more uh, looks and opportunities, then I'm all for that as well. But again, I think just like we're willing to kind of give Domi 
uh, a bit of a longer leash and give some of these other new guys some time. I'm also extending that to, to the goaltending unit as well, just because it's the start of the season. You know, these guys have been, you know, they're coming off, uh, you know, the, the great season last year that you've got your off season training, whatever else is going on. Like it takes time to get back into the swing of things, especially in a position that's that, you know, taxing, demanding that, you know, maybe he's not feeling a hundred percent, maybe on, but again, at this point, I'm not willing to, you know, to put, to put his name on a milk card and that he's, he's missing in action just yet. So a couple more games. <laughs> yeah. We definitely have to pump the brakes a little bit. All right. Well, we're getting near the end here. So we got to ask you, me and Dylan want to know, in your heart here with this Leaf squad so far, it's three games in, I know. <laughs> but what are the Leafs' chances for you this year? There are a lot of people, whether it's Vegas, the Rod Peterson Show, Sportsnet, TSN, you name it, Barstool, that have the Leafs' chances pretty well. And a lot of people predicting a Leafs-Edmonton-Stanley Cup final. Imagine that for your book series. It's <laughs> saying right there. But what do you feel just – just by what everybody's talking about, what do you feel about the Leafs' chances? And yes, we'll have you on later on to revisit how right or wrong we were about all of this. <laughs> but it's early, but I want to know. Yeah, well, I mean, like outside of having the Leafs book, um, so I obviously am going to just put my heart on my sleeve with everything I say about the Leafs this year just to try to get those book sales going. But going into, <laughs> going into the season, you know, I, I feel like this is the year for them to really kind of try to take a stranglehold on the Atlantic. You know, we're seeing what's happening with some of the other teams right now. They're kind of going through transitionary periods. You know, you're seeing, you know, Florida's banged up right now. They're missing a, two key parts of their blue line until like Christmas, let's say. Yep. Um, so if there was ever a time to kind of jump over Florida, Tampa and Boston, it's this year and try to lock up that home ice. Um, I, I do. I have seen the predictions about the Leafs and the Oilers meeting up. I think we had that same prediction last year as well. Uh, at least I subscribe to that theory. But I do feel that Toronto does have an easier path out of the East than Edmonton does. It's a murderer's row in the Pacific, especially to get out of the Western Conference. But I do like the idea of, of the Leafs going all the way this year, uh, <laughs> selfishly, because I remember last year when they were going through the playoffs, like the book had already been finished. And I was telling my publisher, like, well, I know that we had our lock-in date of, of whatever it was, but like, what happens if the Leafs like go on a run? And so I ended up read, I took out a couple stories in the book and I put in the first round win because I felt we had to yes. have that in there. But yeah. I actually kept thinking like, if they, if they keep winning, like as much as I'm happy as a Leafs fan, this isn't good for me as an author because like, <laughs> I can't redo like 10 stories in June. And if they won the cup, then like, is this book even like, is it a good time for this when now they're not like the lovable losers anymore? A lot of these stories that are kind of focused on, them not getting there, like you'd have to kind of change the whole tone of the book because now they finally won. So what do you do with a book like that now? So selfishly, I was, there was a tiny part of me that didn't mind that the run ended where it did because I really want them to do it this year because that would be the best time to sell a Leafs book is in a championship year. So I'm going to go for it. I say it every year. This <laughs> is the year, but I really feel like this is the year. So let's, let's go with that. And then if, if I'm wrong, you know, six months down the line, I'll take it on the chin. Let me tell you this one, and this might make you feel a lot better. We had Rod Peterson on, and they did the bets, and he did the predictions for the Stanley Cup. And every time that he picks it, so he picked last year Toronto and Edmonton to be in the final. 
Mm-hmm. Well, previously he had picked Vegas and Florida to be in the final year before that. So he's always a year and it's been this way for the past three years. He's always been a year off. So he said, get ready this year because it will be Leaf Edmonton in the final because that's the way it's been trending for him. So Fingers let's just hope everything holds true to what's been happening with his predictions. And it's the year after both teams go on a rip and you get Matthews and McDavid at the height of their powers as the only two teams left. And we get to put Jack Campbell to bed. <laughs> Ooh. Canada so would, what we're would saying is yeah. <laughs> there will be a part two to Leafs 365. <laughs> if they win the cup, there better be. There better be like cup stories in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I've already said that if they win the cup this year, like we'll have to issue an addendum to the book so that you can like we have pages that could be inserted to say like put this in your Leafs 365. If you have one right now. And then let's reissue the book next year to account for some of the stories Beautiful. we're going to have to swap out. Oh, man, I cannot wait. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not already, get yourself a copy of Leafs 365. If you know a Leafs fan that loves the history, get the book. It is great. And I'll tell you this. I've gotten the first and second period, both of those books. This one is signed by the man himself. But it is great to read with your littles at bedtime because it is a short story for every day. And when they say, but we need more stories, you have to say it needs to stay in order. So it also gives you a built-in window for a story. But it's awesome because it not only gets you caught up on history, but gets them caught up on history, which makes watching the game that much better for everybody. Or if you don't have kids, it is the absolute best book to get a story every day and have something to tell all your buddies at work because it's actual history, not something made up. Absolutely. Could have said any better. Thanks, James. That was awesome. (laughs) No problem, my buddy. I appreciate you every time you come on, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mike Camito. Check him out over on Twitter or X or whatever they call it these days. (laughs) But uh, make sure you get every edition of the book there. Well worth reading. But my friends, this is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk. We are clear. Sweet. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dylan. Thanks, James. That was that was oh, great. It was a, a lot pleasure of fun. meeting you. Yeah, I'll you have too. to go grab a copy now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm sure. Do. I'm sure I've seen it, but uh, it probably just.